1: And relax this is toe fop i'm charlie clausen and i'm will Anderson. hello and thank you for watching isn't that better suited to a sign-off yeah but i'm gonna do it at the start and the end
0: okay. like <laughs> <laughs> you're double dipping what? Like, i didn't know you could double dip on a catchphrase does that mean i get a second one
1: yeah you can say everyone panic at the end
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay great uh it's episode 333 which is half the number of the beast it's the uh it's the little brother of the beast this
1: episode i guess it is isn't it i mean we haven't quite done 333 three, three of faux-fop because then we would literally have the sort of the two sides of the beast you know adding up to the <laughs> perfect number but luckily we're a little out of sync
0: uh, you sound a little croaky uh how are the festival show's going
1: i'm good but i i just did uh, Six days, six uh, you know, days of shows in a row, which is the most days of shows in a row that I have done for... Well, in these two weeks, I'm doing more shows than I did in the last year. And it's fair to say that despite the fact that the shows themselves have been going brilliantly, my recovery time around the shows, because I'm keeping myself the healthiest I've ever been. I've literally, at this stage, not gone out and seen anyone. I've done nothing else other than just go to the shows Do the shows, but that alone, and I'm not drinking, so I'm like, you know, being as healthy as I possibly can be. I'm living in this house with nothing in the house, no distractions. I'm not snacking out of the fridge. I'm like, really, you know, probably at as, like, you know, beautifully healthy and prepared as I could possibly be. And I've never wanted a day off more than I have today. It is Monday, this is my day off the show. And uh, we are recording this at 12.15pm and I have still not made it out of bed. (laughs) I just, all I did (laughs) was grab the podcasting equipment and dragged it onto the bed. But that is the, I was like, I'm going to have a shower for Michael and Charlie. I'm going to get up, I'll have a shower before the podcast. And then I was like, well, you're just going to get back into bed to do the podcast. So why would you bother getting out of bed in the first place? I think your mistake is, you've approached
0: it like the veteran pro comic you are. Like you're like, okay, you know, I take my career seriously now, I'm just gonna be really well prepared. But because you've been out of the game, so long what you needed to do was go back to what it was like when you're first getting into comedy you need to go out and sink like
1: 10, 10 schooners before you got up on stage oh uh, you think it's like because it is like starting again I've got to start again as I first started
0: start <laughs> yeah you've got to go out and try and pick up like jokeies in the bar after a gig you've got to bitch and moan about other comics you've
1: got to go right to the beginning where it all started that'd be great if I did because I, I did think about that the other day was so you think, Charlie, that I should go back to what I was like when I first started out in stand-up comedy. So, so invite all my family, you know, yes. all my family and my friends, all my high school friends. I suddenly, they get a yep. group you know, Facebook message from me going, yeah. hey, guys, I'm doing a show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. I'd really appreciate if you could come along. Happy to put all of you on the door. Um, And then for another 25 years, they don't come back again like they did the first time around. And then, yeah, create some rivalries with fellow comedians. Now, are you suggesting, because when you first start out in any industry, of course, that's, that's how you work out your groups. Often you work out your groups by you know saying well we're not like these other people and then after a while you just hopefully get to the point where you can define yourself through who you are and not in opposition to other people and you relax about those sort of things but are you suggesting that I go back and I start feuds with like brand new comedians or am I going back and starting feuds with comedians who are of my level but just reigniting some sort of feud with them
0: does it matter? I mean, can't you just feud with anyone that you that just crosses your path? Like, I have a lot of friends who are comics. I am I'm tangentially linked to the, to the comics world, and I have seen no rhyme or reason why these jealousies occur. I just see a, a lot of random indiscriminate
1: hatred of other comics. I don't know that the uh, the experience counts into it. Okay, so you think, well, I was thinking more just that it might be a bit unfair for me, a comedian of 25 years of experience in the industry, to go back and start rivalries with random open micers. I just yeah, thought that might be t- a bit unfair that I'm just like, who's this guy, Gary? Fuck that guy, Gary. We all hate mate, Gary, right, everyone? If you're a, But if you're a senior footy player
0: and you get dropped to the seconds because yeah. you're out of form, they don't expect you to take it easy on like, you
1: know, some 18-year-old. Like you want to go out and lay (laughs) him out, just like get find some form. I don't know if that would be my approach either as a footballer or a comedian. But let's just say, (laughs) I make it random, like you're saying that there is no rhyme nor reason to it. Because I actually feel more comfortable with that. The Mm -hmm. idea that this is that I don't actually have to come up with rivalries. My new position is that I'm just looking to start shit with whoever comes along. That I think loose cannon.
0: Yeah, you rebrand yourself as a loose cannon.
1: Right. Yeah. Enough of supporting other comedians and, you know, being like a person who is hopefully an advocate for comedy in general, not just myself. Fuck that shit. It's yeah, all about me shit. now. I am a loose cannon. Shit just got real and I am fucking <laughs> back and I am ready to start nice. Rumbles. Yeah, I reckon that could work for you. I mean, at least you've got to freshen up your image.
0: Well, you know, I'm a big fan of the WWE and yep. and that's what a wrestler does every like, you know, five or six years is they just they just tinker with their image a bit. They might even do a complete
1: right, turn turn.
0: You started off as The Undertaker, the dead man, and then you were like, people are getting sick of this. It's time to come out as
1: the American badass. Right. Maybe there is an opportunity for that. Maybe I could, like, what would be the most lucrative turn that you could do, do you think, that I could pull off? It's not like I can suddenly become a mime or, like, you know, a great musical act. I don't have those skills. But with the skill set that I have, what's the biggest turn that I could pull off?
0: I mean, I think the most – I don't – I think this would be lucrative – maybe not like the biggest money spinner, but in terms of like securing an audience that would stay loyal to yeah. you, if you just became a full right-wing comedian, like you just became one of those people who decries like cancel culture and political correctness. And, you know, you make a point of like searching your own name on Twitter and taking out people, you know, for, I being, think, for being soy boys and shit.
1: I think the, the bar of entry is so low, right? If you want to be the best comedian in Australia – or in the world there's some pretty tough competition there's some brilliant comedians around but if you want to be the best right-wing comedian in the world like the the bar is much lower like i could be yeah. funnier than rowan dean i could be <laughs> funnier than joey hildebrand you know this is like a very low bar of entry have you seen any of that new american show G- oh, gut i'm obsessed with it i was just
0: gonna ask you that <laughs> i haven't watched the full episode but i've been finding as many clips as i can because it's just um it's just staggering like Because I watch it and go, look, is this just a purely, you know, um, uh, uh, like, uh, attitudinal thing? Like, I just don't come from this world. So maybe this is funny to some people, but I can't
1: see a joke in any of it. I mean, it's just references, which I guess, like, you could accuse some of the worst left-wing comedy of being as well, which is just, like, referencing a thing and then everybody, like, you know, nods their head at how smart they are. It's the right-wing version of that. So whatever the topic is... It's just like, you know, I had cereal for breakfast this morning. Speaking of food, what about pizza? Pizzagate, Hillary Clinton. Pause for laughter. <laughs>
0: well, that's the weird thing is it's like, so they're trying to satirise. Well, uh, clearly they're satirising kind of, you know, a left-wing media. This is obviously a conservative take of what The Daily Show is, that The Daily Show just picks kind of tired old tropes and trots out the same thing. Because the, clip, the two clips I've seen, apparently from two different episodes, where they use the same joke of Brian Williams lying about where he is and I had to Google search Brian Williams controversy to find out what this, this happened in like 2012 or something that he said he was in Iraq when he wasn't.
1: Yeah, but it's a good topical material in, in 2021 like, that Brian Williams, the newsreader, pretended to be somewhere that he wasn't a decade ago. I mean, we could hardly talk. We bring up Corey, uh, uh, party boy Corey Worthington quite a bit
0: on this show, but come on.
1: Yeah, but we don't pitch this as a satirical daily news show. That's the
0: difference. <laughs> Oh is it meant to be a new a daily news show? Because I didn't see any like mo- like contemporary references. Or maybe like there's a Joe Biden is senile
1: kind of joke, but that Yeah, was- but I mean it's meant to be their equivalent of the Daily Show or whatever. Just the right wing daily show.
0: And someone and there's a live audience in there. How do you think
1: they got them? Oh I mean <laughs> They lied. They, 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 they lied. I don't. I don't know. I feel like it's the only audience where, like, most of the audience who actually enjoy the show are there in the studio. I'm not sure there's anyone on the outside world who's enjoying it in the way it's meant to be enjoyed. I think people are only enjoying it ironically.
0: Well, the, the thing to, about it too is it sort of makes it made me sort of question what c- the conservative approach to comedy because a lot of what he's doing is just ranting and railing against how conservatives are perceived. There's not a lot of jokes or kind of self-aware humour. It's just all like, you say we're this, but we're not. It's like, yeah, but where's the joke? Where's the twist on that? Like, you're setting up something, but there's no kind of twist or, or
1: new take on it. Well, it is very much on the defence, isn't it? It's not yeah. really... That what they want their own comedy show. They want a show where they can respond to the comedy that's been made about that's them. <laughs> that's what it really is. It's yeah, like that's a, what it is. It's an, uh, they just need to do more uh, after the Daily Show or after yes. whatever. And then just, like, they go through the episode and they put their position forward because that's all they really want to do is defend themselves. They don't actually want to make any jokes.
0: Because, you know, Will, there's nothing that makes comedy better than explaining a joke or delving deep into why a joke is made. That's the entire thing, is they're just defending a position, which is like, mate, that's not funny either.
1: Well... I think there's room. I mean, look, I think this argument over whether there's right wing or conservative comedy is actually a stupid argument because I think there's heaps of right wing and conservative comedy because a lot of right wing comedy isn't dressed up as being about like, you know, right wing issues. It's just about reinforcing the status quo. And if that status quo happens to be conservative or right wing, then that comedy is inherently conservative or right wing if it's not asking questions about the system in which we live so i think a lot of mainstream comedy you could say is conservative in nature or is like you know slightly right wing or you know middle right you know in that australian right wing sort of way where the liberal party seems to exist in middle of australia there's plenty of comedy in that zone yes there's Mm. no there's rare there's not the tom ballard equivalent on the right i don't think at the moment you know, there's not uh, there's kind of your raving lefty, you know, burn down the system stand-up comedian. There doesn't seem to be the right-wing equivalent of that.
0: Yeah, and it's also like with right-wing comedy, They correct me if I'm wrong, they tend to do like the sort of um, uh, uh, the character, like what's the guy, the get her done guy, the, um, you know, hey, I'm a redneck and, you know, there seems to be more of that on the right than there is on the left, right? Is there anyone who plays a character on the left that's all like, Hey, like, you know, um, Steiner schools and soy
1: and, You know, there's no gender, all that kind of stuff. I mean, A, there probably is. I just can't think of it right now. B, if there's not, you should be that person because that was really good. It came out very naturally.
0: Uh, now, Will, um, the only comedy I've been seeing lately uh, is the Wiggle variety. Uh, Iona mm. is way, way, way into the Wiggles. And I have to say... I'm into it. I did not know anything about the Wiggles until mm-hmm. I became a dad. And I have just been down such a deep rabbit hole with the Wiggles. And clearly they're Australia's, like, most successful musical export. Like, if you check out their numbers on Spotify for their songs, minimum $25 million for a Wiggles single.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, I think there was a lot of years where basically when they have those charts of who'd sold the most albums overseas as Australian groups, there was always ACDC, the Wiggles... And then the Newsboys or whatever they were, that Christian rock outfit.
0: <laughs> yeah. And they, like, I, so here's what I found out in my research, right? So they started in the, in the early 90s. Anthony Field, who's who's still in the Wiggles now, he started the whole thing. And he was studying early childhood education. And he was like, there's no, like, good kids' albums. They're all really patronising. I want to write, like, because he was in The Cockroaches, I want to write, like, good songs that have an mm. educational component to it. They went from playing, like, 100, 200 people in the 90s to selling out like madison square garden like three three nights or three days i guess it would have been for their concerts in a row at their highest point they were turning over 40 million dollars a year 40 million and that's not even counting merchandise
1: okay so have you just become aware that the wiggles are really successful because you're telling me this stuff as if you're stunned by this information whereas i thought it was pretty common knowledge for everyone for the last 15 years that the Wiggles were one of the most successful musical acts of all time?
0: I guess I just didn't take it into account. I guess I always saw them, like, on the ABC and assumed, oh, well, they're on ABC wages. I didn't sort of take (laughs) into account syndication. like, I know Will.
1: He's always complaining about what you get paid (laughs) at the ABC. And they've got all the overheads of keeping the dinosaur fed and running the big red car. So I imagine they're...
0: Well I wanted to like see so I mean
1: you know about the Wiggles so
0: they had a big sort of change of they had a roster change in, yeah. like about 10 years ago right and so I wanted to know what the original Wiggles had all been paid out like what was the severance so the sign off for all those guys is 20 million mm-hmm. like the three guys who left and you know some of them still have a stake in it in terms of like licensing and stuff but that's a 20 million severance and they still come back from time to time. They did like fundraising gigs and all that kind of stuff. So then the new guys come in, and apparently the rumor was when you started as a wiggle, base salary two hundred fifty thousand, and there was a bit of controversy around that because it's like, well, you guys turn over, for like you know forty million a year. That's a, that's a pretty you know, it's a good wage for most people, but considering you know what they're doing, the new wiggles net worth about twelve million each. Okay. What I'm trying to say, Will, is we're in the wrong business. Could Tofop pivot into children's entertainment? No,
1: in no way. <laughs> like, literally, I can't physically pivot, which is necessary, I think, if you're going to be a children's entertainer. Secondly, you might get your working around children's license. I can't imagine that I would be, like, top of their list for people that are to be working around children. And then also, what what part of what we do? Like, I know it's been described as childish, but it's not for children. <laughs>
0: Well, I just figured uh, there's this one song that uh, Iona loves, and it's 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 in, it's been stuck in my head, and so I did a deep dive on it, and I found out that the song was actually written by someone who's kind of tangentially linked to the Tofop universe, He's appeared on Philosophy. Uh, I, I, like, I know was, where this
1: is going. Oh, you know who it is? Yeah, we spoke the last time he was on Philosophy. If I know, okay. if if you. I assume that what you're about to play is uh, something by Sam Mack in collaboration with The Wiggles, no? Absolutely not. No. Oh. no.
0: This was a, I think this is interesting because this is a, car- a, a person that you have brought up on the show before and your opinion of this person like, it, it inflamed our, 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 our letters department. People were oh, angry at for being... Ben Elton. Being ben Elton. Ben Elton wrote this song. So I just want to play you a clip from the song to give you an idea... Of the tone of the song, mm. but then we're going to break down the lyrics because, on first listening, it's a really mm. bright, bubbly. It almost sounds like a monkey song, like Daydream Believer. It's really like you know, a cappella and there's harmonies and all this kind of stuff. So I'll just play you a little clip just to give you a, a little taste of this song. So it sounds like this. Right, so you get a sense. It's like this is upbeat, bright, happy song. It goes like that the whole song, okay? But it, the song is called uh, 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 Welcome to Wiggle Town and these are the lyrics. So just, just take in this nightmarish world that Ben Elton has created for children. Okay. okay. So it starts off Wiggle Town, 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 a wiggle town, town. And Lockie goes, In Wiggle Town there lives a clown and his smile looks like a frown. It's upside down. Okay. So far, so good. Well, not I mean, so
1: far, he's just ripped the entire plot off Stephen King's It.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, no, his head was upside down. Oh, yeah, okay. sorry, smile. Well,
1: still, technically, <laughs> his frown was upside down.
0: I mean, look, it's a pretty bold move. You're starting off with a clown. You mentioned a clown in the very yeah. first line of your song, but that's not where
1: the In Wiggle Town, they around. have a problem with a creepy clown. He lives in the sewer. <laughs> he abducts children.
0: Yeah, and you'll float. <laughs> okay, so... There's a clown in, in Wiggletown. His smile looks like a frown. It's upside down. The kittens hide. The mice all hunt. The spoons are sharp, but the knives are blunt. All right, so you are getting mm. where this is going?
1: Everything's topsy-turvy in this world.
0: Wiggletown. The rules don't apply. Everything is upside down. I mean, it's quite dangerous, though, if
1: like spoons and knives. I mean, that's not. How
0: annoying would it be to sit down to dinner and your bloody knife doesn't work and you have to eat your steak with a spoon? Well, for you, like a a cauliflower steak.
1: Well, but here's the thing. Like the one thing that you'll give your kids is a spoon, but you won't give them a knife or a fork because they're too sharp. This is an irresponsible place for children, Wiggletown. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Okay. So the lyrics continue. It's
0: back to front. The dog's meow.
1: Okay. All
0: right. The lion's tweet.
1: Like on Twitter? No. Just really angry not. reviews of movies. And you've ruined my childhood. Release the Snyder Cut. The dog's meow.
0: The lion's tweet. Now, I'm assuming it's like a bird tweets. But mm. is a bird the opposite of a lion? Because you've gone from dog to meow. Mm-hmm. Can you go from bird to lion? It's
1: not the most natural opposite to me, right? Dogs and cats, birds and lions. We've all said the natural opposite of a lion is a bird. We come together because opposites attract. You know, it's like a lion and a bird.
0: All right. The dogs meow, the lions tweet. See if you can finish this rhyme. The sugar's sour.
1: And the uh, something sweet, but the yeah. uh, something that would ordinarily be sour. The lemons taste sweet. The salt tastes sweet. Oh, the salt. Okay, yeah.
0: Now, we'll give them a pass on that. Like, it's not, again, not a natural opposite to sweet, uh, to sour.
1: Okay. Also, sweet and salty actually very nice. Like, it's a good combination. Yeah. <laughs> All
0: right. Now, this is where it gets weird again. The rocks are soft. Not the rock. Uh. The rocks are soft. <laughs> the rock is soft. The pillows are hard. Okay, Isn't that horrible? Isn't it like when you go to prison, you imagine that
1: the pillows would be hard, right? Yeah, but if you're breaking rocks all day and they're as soft as pillows, you can have a nap in the yard.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a good point actually. Didn't think of it like that. The shepherds sleep, the sheep stand guard. Okay, so I'm assuming wow. in this world maybe we have anthropomorphic animals. For a, a sheep to have the cognitive ability to know to guard, we're going to... We're going to make the assumption we're granting them with a bit more intelligence. Well,
1: at least one of them and the others will just follow along because they're sheep. Although maybe not in this world. Maybe sheep are all individuals (laughs) in this tipsy, topsy, turvy, Wiggletown world. Back to
0: front, front to back and upside down. Whoa, that's the wonder of Wiggletown. A bar diddy bar In Wiggletown, the young are old.
1: Benjamin Button style. Opposite. Opposite. The older young.
0: Okay, no, no, they don't get to that. So Mm -hmm. in Wiggletown, the young are old. So primarily the Wiggles' audience are young people. In Wiggletown, do they
1: lose their audience? Yeah, completely.
0: Although there's a bunch of old people who love them.
1: (laughs) Although, are you old when you're young and then getting older? Or is it Benjamin Button style, you're old when you're young, as you get older, you get younger? Because then they get their audience back at the end.
0: All right, yeah, okay, let's do it Benjamin Button style. But they don't, yeah, okay, so they have to wait. So it's a 70-year investment for the Wiggles in Wiggletown yeah, well. but what are the Wiggles in Wiggletown like if everything's opposite
1: oh that's true Wiggles are they like, the wiggles are they the like wiggles.
0: Doctor Who where they can pass between both worlds unchanged or are they, are they opposite are they the Miggles the Miggles in Wiggletown and they just go out and like terrify children that's their
1: act <laughs> the niggles they just come in. no no no. <laughs> oh, no we're calling them the miggles <laughs> as, as, you know, i meant they would niggle people <laughs>
0: okay okay sure i think we just call them miggles because like an okay. m and a w or upside down we might, get, not, we so might get
1: we might get sued by jk rowling <laughs> for being too close to muggle but let's go with miggle that's fine okay
0: the milk is hot but the tea is cold
1: well, hot The milk's wise fine. and tea can be fine cold as well. Cold tea's fine.
0: Yeah, that's fine. Nothing changes there. How about this though? The wise are fools.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just internet. That's just a comment on internet culture, isn't it?
0: Yeah. <laughs> just, I mean, is that just a typical
1: much? Ben Elton snarky comment about modern, modern internet culture? Straight lines are bent. Okay,
0: but a square is round.
1: Well, no, it's not it's as a la- circle then, isn't it?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the loudest bells don't make a sound. Okay. Well, that's going to really fuck things over for the fire department or for your iPhone <laughs> if you need to wake up, right? <laughs> that's a you good just point. No bell makes a sound. All alarms. Church services out. Okay, but so they haven't given us an opposite. If the loudest bells don't make a yeah. sound,
1: what's the what's the quietest thing that is really loud? Yeah, what is a mime? In Wiggletown, mime is is like Ramstein. It's just (laughs) like Ramshmime.
0: (laughs) Okay, there are no rules. Now that line, this is before they get into the chorus again. This makes me think, Mm. in Wiggletown, the purge is legal. Exactly. For one night.
1: (laughs) In Wiggletown, there are no rules. You can murder so many fools. (laughs) (laughs) Who actually turned out to be the smartest men in Wiggletown. (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) The irony. Okay. You'll be able to get this one. The short
1: are tall. And the tall are uh, short.
0: <laughs> That's it. Don't overthink it. This is possibly the most nightmarish of the line. So as we've established before with the sheep, the,
1: the sh- animals are... An- the short. What I love about the short are tall and the tall short is that no, they're not. That is literally a case where short people are still short the tall people are still tall. Like, if you just replace short people with tall people and tall people with short people, you just have short people and tall people. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think what they're saying, I think what Ben Elton
0: is saying is that Wiggletown is a mirror universe in which everything is inverted. So
1: LeBron In in unexpected ways. (laughs) Because it turns out tall and short, classic reversal, lions and birds. (laughs) Who knows what happened there? (laughs) I gotta say,
0: there's quite a few wiggle songs. And look, I am a fan. I'm absolutely a fan. I like a lot of their music. But there are some instances, and with their lyrics, they're like, oh, you just didn't even try that. You just... <laughs> I'm not even gonna rhyme. We need to get to the chorus. We're gonna make another for 20 million. So here you go. Kids won't care. Um, okay, this is the most nightmarish line. So if we are accepting the premise that animals in Wiggletown Town are anthropomorphized, yeah. the taller, the shorter, tall, the taller, short, the fish is fish, the men get caught.
1: Like cheating on their wives?
0: No. As in like plucked from their homes and gutted and served to other fish in fish restaurants, which ironically in Wiggletown are actually
1: restaurants where they serve humans to fish. I mean on a little human train. Tiny yeah. little bits of human people, a whole bunch of fish sitting around watching all the humans come by on the train.
0: I mean, you're a vegetarian. This is enough to turn me vegetarian. Like, this simple lyric from Ben Mm. Elton has made me realise, yeah, right, we're just ripping these living creatures from their habitat and slicing them up for our own nourishment. Imagine if it was reversed.
1: Imagine if the fishes fished and the men got caught and the women. Equal opportunity slaughter here. Here's what I'm enjoying about today's podcast, Charlie, is you honestly have the enthusiasm about our world and the interest in our world, like an alien who's just been put on earth. (laughs) Because firstly, you're amazed that the Wiggles are super successful and now you finally put together that killing animals would be terrible if it happened to us (laughs) in reverse.
0: As I stated last week, Will, it only means something to me when it personally affects me. And so that sparked my imagination. I imagine myself swimming around in the water and then some bloody fish coming up with a dangling a donut on the end of a line. And I'm like, there's a tasty donut. I'll have a bite of that. Getting dragged ashore. My gut's cut open. Maybe they just let me like suffocate on the boat. And then I get served to their kids. Disgraceful.
1: Down at Charcoal Charlie's ironically, is what they call ironically. the place where they serve you to other people. And yeah. so, okay, this is interesting okay. to me because this is Ben Alton, right? Opening people's yeah. minds to like environmentalism mm-hmm. like he did with Stark. This is him putting a little subtle message in there that maybe gets, you know, the normal target market, which is, you know, two-year-old kids <laughs> to, to get some of these and me. messages. And also occasionally their dad, it slips through <laughs> to them as well.
0: Well, the weird thing is that you heard the song, like it has this bop, it's, when you listen to it, when you don't listen to the lyrics, it's kind of like um, uh, 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 Close to Me by The Cure. Like, it's like, oh, that's a, it's kind of a sexy sort of boppy song. And then you're like, oh, this is all the suicide fantasy. Mm -hmm. This is horrifying. That's what this is. Like, it's such a kind of like upbeat song. And then you're like, because initially I'm like, oh, they want to welcome you to Wiggletown. Like you want to get in your big red car and take a drive. I don't want to go to Wiggletown. This place sounds like hell on earth, your pillow's bloody rock hard. You can't cut food with your knife because it's too blunt. And now fish are going to come grab you and cut you up for dinner.
1: Oh, yeah. It's a nightmarish hellscape. I hope that there's some sort of resolution by the end or they've just left kids with this idea of this nightmarish hellscape.
0: Well, okay. We'll continue. Now, again, this, I'm not sure this qualifies as an opposite. The food
1: is wet, but the water's dry. Okay. So, hang on. The food is wet. Well, food often is wet. There's heaps of wet Shouldn't food. Shouldn't it be
0: the ground is wet or the, the earth is wet but the water's dry?
1: I would have thought so. The desert's wet? I would have gone the with the wet. desert is wet but the, the ocean the is dry. Are dry. But that just goes back to your tall and
0: short thing. So you just have oceans and deserts. <laughs> so that's actually what it would look like.
1: You know? (laughs) Yeah. But we've predetermined that that is an acceptable format in this universe. So, (laughs) therefore, I would say, because I mean, food being wet, what does that mean? Like, if you're having a sandwich, it's just like all wet? Because I don't like a wet sandwich.
0: I mean, does that mean, but okay. So, you order
1: a bowl of soup. Yeah. What comes out? Wet soup? soup. But then you cut your mouth trying to eat your soup with your fucking (laughs) sharp spoon. Or is it a bowl of sand? Do they serve your bowl of sand in Wiggletown? Your soup is, is sand, sand. That would be okay. Your soup is I sand, know. your sand is soup. I'd be fine with that. Because <laughs> that, that is, you know what I mean? Like if every time you went to the beach, you had to go through the soup to get into the ocean, which was dry, so it was fine.
0: <laughs> okay, back to front, front to back and upside down. Whoa, that's the wonder of Wiggletown. That's the wonder of Wiggletown. That's the wonder of Wiggletown. Will. that's it. There's no, there's no, there's no resolution there. Um, the trivia around this song was the song was first heard. No, okay. There's nothing interesting about the category. But how's that? Like, I just, I'm actually wondering whether I should like keep playing it to Iona because I think it's just, I think it's scary.
1: Too scary. I mean, I don't she's barely working world. out what the world is. She doesn't need her world to be blown by the idea that nothing is what it appears to be, that well actually maybe she does. Maybe that is what you need to teach her that in life sometimes things are going to be appear to be the complete opposite of what they actually are and much like that premonition of the future wiggletown by Ben Elton and the Wiggles. <laughs> You've got to sometimes. Sometimes you meet a lion, but he's really going to sound like a bird. And sometimes you meet a bird, and that bird's going to be a lion. And that's an important lesson for life. Now, eat your sweet salt. And go to bed, which is actually getting up.
0: <laughs> Don't cut your mouth. Uh, now, Will, I uh, was going through the Tofot mailbag. I thought the last few weeks we've just had very little correspondence. You know, in the meantime, we've sort of been going to Patreon. And then I found a feature in our Gmail, which has been sending. We've actually had a lot of correspondence over the last couple of months, but it's been going to a different folder, like marked promotion. And I don't know why this has been happening, but I have dug out some mail that I thought we could get to because a lot of it uh, answers a lot of questions we've raised. Oh, okay, great. Um, But first of all, I wanted to uh, read this uh, from one of the TOEFOP 12. This is from uh, Beck, Rebecca. And she tells an extraordinary story that I think is worth recounting on the show. Okay. So she says, hey, guys, Rebecca here, one of the TOEFL 12. My death and coming back to life happened on Easter, and I thought it might be a nice Easter story for you. Okay. Are you ready for this? Yeah. So here's the story. Well, in Airlie Beach, uh, I met two UK girls who were also touring around Australia. They had rented a Jeep and asked my husband and me if we'd like to join them on an exploration as it was drizzling and we couldn't go snorkeling. When we got in the car, I put my seatbelt on and everyone laughed at me, saying, ooh, frightened. <laughs> Is that a common response when you see someone putting on a seatbelt? I mean,
1: ooh, frightened. it feels like a very old-fashioned thing to do to mock someone putting on a fucking seatbelt. <laughs>
0: She answered back, no, no, I just felt like I should. Yeah, Yeah, you
1: should. You should. There's a reason that it's actually the law that you're meant to do it because it saves people's lives. And also... Fine to be frightened of being in a car accident. A car accident is a really terrible thing that can be prevented from its worst by wearing a seatbelt, fool.
0: Especially when heading out in the wet with a driver you don't know in a
1: foreign country.
0: Right. Like imagine a seatbelt would be the least thing, at least for your worries.
1: What's that? You're having? A, you're going to have sex with somebody against a dumpster out the back of a nightclub. Better make it unprotected sex. <laughs> I'm sure nothing about this could ever come back to haunt you. On a small bend in the
0: road, the driver overcorrected and the jeep went off a cliff into a mangrove swamp. I remember saying shit, and then the next thing I remember is my husband pulling me up from the mangrove swamp. I remember nothing else until much later, but this is what was told to me about what happened. The medics took me to three hospitals in the area, but no one could help me. I was flown to Brisbane, where I died. My husband called my parents back in the US to try and figure out what to do with my body. Somehow, I came back to life after the phone call. The neurosurgeon said it was a miracle and that the world's second best neurosurgeon and that he, as the world's best second neurosurgeon, maybe he listens to your podcast, he said he'd never seen anything like it. The next thing I remember is my husband's voice saying how beautiful I was. And then I was three months in the ICU. The neurosurgeon made me cry every time I saw him, as he'd say stuff like, "You shouldn't be alive." (laughs) I saw the damage to your brain and the extent of grey matter you lost, and you'll be a vegetable for the rest of your life.
1: Who is this guy? Is this guy actually (laughs) bedside manner, (laughs) like a good neurosurgeon? Because he seems like a real... Maybe he was like deep in watching House at that time, and he thought it was the way you were meant to talk to patients. He's like, "I'm a maverick genius, like uh, Gregory House."
0: Uh, you are so lucky I managed to bring you back from the dead. I gave I gave up half my Easter vaca- vacation to do surgery half. on you. You'll never, you'll never move and you'll be in a wheelchair for the rest of your life. Who is this love, guy? He's like a demotivational
1: that me, speaker. That led me of horrible things awaiting her. He also <laughs> thought he'd throw in that he missed half his vacation. Also, what about me? You're not even thinking about me as you lay there never being able to walk or do anything again. I mean, talk about victim-blaming as well. She's come in. She was the only one who put on a seatbelt in this car, probably. Right. (laughs) She was the the safe one. It It was everybody else who was being irresponsible. All these fearless fucking dickheads. She's died, come back from (laughs) (laughs) death in some sort of miracle. And over the Easter period where you've got to be considering the idea of those who return from the death as part of, and this, guys, you fucked up my Easter by recreating what <laughs> yeah. our Lord Jesus Christ did.
0: You could be in the presence of the reincarnation of the Messiah. right? I mean, like, the evidence is there, and you're going to complain about the fact that you had to cut your Kentucky tour short? Okay. Oh, by the way, so this is Rebecca, uh, who is inducted into TOEFLOP12, and this is not the story she opened. Right. With. I can't even remember the story that got her in. But we, this is the one that we should have heard first, right?
1: Uh, well, I would have thought so. Like, I mean, coming, we, having somebody on our team who's come back from death.
0: Oh, that's great. It's perfect. With every
1: super team, yeah. you need some kind of
0: like supernatural... Person, someone who can communicate with the dead. Right. Yeah,
1: someone who's cheated death already. They've been to the other side. They have an understanding of what reality actually is. This is what Rebecca is. And she said, on the other side is Wiggle Town. It's fucking a (laughs) nightmarish world. (laughs) Everything's topsy-turvy. I ate some salt. It was sweet. It actually tasted (laughs) quite nice.
0: After an undetermined amount of time, I was able to wiggle one paralyzed finger. Okay. After more, after more undetermined time, I improved enough to go to a regular hospital ward and then moved for three months in extended recovery hospital. I lost most of my memories before the accident, which was, I was 30 years old, remembering only extremely emotional or intense memories, uh, like hitting a man and putting his penis back in. Pants died. I don't know what that means. Mm. Did someone, I don't know, uh, that might be due to her injuries, yeah. that, that, that last <laughs> sentence. I had to learn how to walk and talk and everything about living. The hospital wanted to keep me much longer, but my husband needed to take me home as he and we had business to attend to. My IQ was tested at 80, In this is her words in brackets, an idiot, right before I left the hospital. At university, it was 160, a bit of a change. I started doing art in hospital, mainly to nurses giving, uh, giving thanks and continue. Uh, I started doing art in hospital, mainly uh, to nurses, giving thanks, and it's continually my breath. Living means three things to me in its simplest forms, love, art, and movement. And here's the kicker. When I was dead, there was nothing, blackness, nothing. So I died and arose from the dead to keep living and laughing your podcasts while painting. So thank you for that, Rebecca. Isn't that an amazing story?
1: (laughs) I mean, and at Easter.
0: I mean, I'd like to think we were partly responsible for bringing her back. Maybe she's like, I can't go until
1: I hear how the biggest horse in Norway finishes. Oh, man, I feel like this was all pre-us. Well, maybe not. Maybe this was coincidental, actually. You know what? It I, it would be worse if, like, Stan from Eminem style that, um, you know, when the they... It got the vehicle out of the, man- the mangroves. They were listening to an episode of Topop, and that's what had <laughs> made them run off the road, just how bad the comedy was. The guy's like, I can't handle this anymore. It just swerves
0: in. Uh, this is from Amanda. Uh, the subject is clawsoned It. Mm-hmm. I wanted to let you know that in our house, Charlie is a verb. Explanation. During lockdown, I started making earrings and selling them. The thing is, I can't say I'm the best at expenses, cost, and profit, much like Charlie. As such, after my first sale and making a measly profit, my husband stated that I had clausened it. <laughs> yep. My fun business is going nowhere due to clawsoning my sales. And that is especially true now that I've made some sales overseas, as postage is a killer. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> also, thanks, guys, for the laughs. My husband and I listen to you guys together every week. Oh, I'm always fascinated by people who listen to us together, like... Do you do it in one go? Do you pause? Like if someone goes to work, can they listen to it in the car? Do you have to tip them off? Is it like when you're watching a streaming service?
1: I mean, even the idea that they listen together as a couple, it feels like our show feels like one part of the couple should be hiding it from the other part of the couple. Yeah. It should be part of your dirty
0: secret collection. We find ourselves doing weekend drives around with you guys. And once we're caught up to the latest one, we'll revisit older episodes such as Meeting Bertie Blagari which we're thinking of naming our next dog. We'll keep you posted on that. <laughs> uh, this next bit of mail is probably my favourite uh, bit of mail we've been sent for a while. This is from Jaden, uh, and it's, called, it's titled The Tofer, Tofop Merch Experience uh, to Colin Fop, hi, Will and Charlie. With all the talk about wearing Tofop merch and Podcast Mike's ultimate head-turning letdown, I thought I'd share with you one of my own experiences of wearing Tofop merch out in public. I'm the proud owner... Of Foz's Christian Bale Oh Good For You t-shirt print. I was wearing this shirt one night whilst making a quick dash down to the IGA to grab some ghost groceries for dinner. Whilst I was at the checkout, the young girl behind the counter, probably 17 or 18 years of age, smiles at me while she scans my items and nods in a kind of, I know what that's about, hey, hey, that's cool. Thinking she was a fellow TOFOP listener... Mm. I started rambling about how I'm yet to meet a fellow listener and that the episode is one of my favourites, along with the episode that discusses Charlie's inability to piss at
1: urinals.
0: (laughs) The young lady's smile then turns into a look of, what the fuck are you talking about? It was at this point that the penny dropped. This young lady was too young to be referring to a podcast about a comedy conversation between two odd mates. There was no way she'd be interested in bin talk. She was, in fact, referring to the YouTube video of Christian Bale's recordings. Damn it, my love of TOEFOP had placed me in an awkward, now embarrassing situation of talking to a teen- teenager about pissing at urinals. <laughs> <laughs> so I quickly pay, gather my items, and make a dash for the exit while I'm still holding some semblance of a dignity. Scarred from the experience, the T-shirt has now been relegated to the round-the-house drawer. Still love the shirt, but Jaden...
1: Well, that's good to know, Jaden. I appreciate that. I um, I must admit, I'm in Melbourne with uh, limited clothing because I was meaning to um, get home to grab some winter clothing. But um, I, it's meant that I've got a couple of TOEFOP merchandise things that have had to go out in public. Luckily, oh, no. underneath a jacket at this stage, like, you know, there's been no sort of, need for a reveal but the whole time you just do feel like i'm not going to walk into anywhere too warm where i have to take this jacket off because i can't just be seen in my own merchandise walking around the streets i look i i disagree i think some of the merchandise which you can get at
0: redbubble.com uh forward slash mr foz uh is so good that you can wear it in public because there is no way like that the the horse trilogy artwork is so great. I saw you reposted some of that on Instagram. I want to get the the biggest horse in hell as a t-shirt because I reckon it just looks like an awesome heavy metal cover. And even if people put 2 and 2 together, it's like, well, clearly he's not featured in that. It's not it's not about the goofiness of the podcast. It's about
1: how awesome that artwork is. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And yeah, but I what I had was my um, uh, Goofy one. <laughs> My South Park <laughs> sweater. Oh, yeah. And that's very <laughs> obviously, look, we have a podcast. <laughs> uh, Alicia
0: writes in, hey Will and Charlie, I wanted to share with you some Christmas Day bin shenanigans that made me think of TOEFOP. I was lucky enough to make it into Queensland legally for a few days over Christmas to visit my parents. On Christmas Day, my parents' bin was out on the curb due to be picked up. We headed over to a friend's place for lunch, and after many beers, we made it back in the afternoon. As we drove into the driveway, my father, who had more beers than the rest of us combined, I assume he's driving, <laughs> yelled out, They fucking broke the handle on the bin! I've never seen a man who uses a walking stick move so fast as he went to inspect the bin while the rest of us unloaded the car. Upon inspection, the bin had two broken handles, it was clearly not the bin that had been put out that morning, and was now full. A bin full of rubbish, including prawn shells from someone's Christmas lunch. It was at this point that I started to think of Charlie as my father fumed over someone having stolen their bin and left a gross one full in its place. He threatened to go door to door around the neighborhood to find the person who stole the bin and call the cops on them. No efforts to calm him down would work, including offering to report it to council to get him a new bin or even give him some money to pay for one. I personally can't understand his profound reaction, but I wondered if Charlie could help or at least let Charlie know that there is someone out there who also has the same bin standards as he does. I read this, Will, and my fucking blood boiled like the old Charlie started coming back. I've moved away from that place, so my bin issues are a distant memory. But the gall, that is no mistake. That is no mistake to swap a bin over with broken
1: handles and leave it filled with stinky fish shells. I mean, this is, this is, I mean, I'm on your side with this. Normally I'll try to be completely reasonable, but I actually am not sure about this correspondent who was saying that they wanted to calm their dad down in that situation. You know what? Your dad's getting older. He needs things to engage his brain and his body. And I think a quick mission around the neighborhood, looking over people's fences to see who had his bin and had been replaced it with the prawn field bin would have been a fun Christmas adventure for dad. I I, I think you've done him a disservice by not letting him roam his neighborhood and find out who betrayed him.
0: Well, there is a conclusion to this story. It turned out it was just the drunken neighbours who had a number of visitors on Christmas Day who were either too drunk to realise they'd brought in the wrong bin or thought they would try and pull a Swifty. But Dad's bin was returned the next day and everyone's back on their regular bin routines and no cops were called. Mm, so That's it's kind disappointing, of what happened though, me. isn't
1: it? Because <laughs> when it doesn't involve you, I'm happy for the cops to be called. I'm happy for it to be an incident. It's only when it involves you that I try to kind of walk you back from the curb.
0: <laughs> uh, this is from Cerise. Uh, just a quick message because I thought you'd both appreciate the TOFOP themes of macho and AI coming full circle. Since listening to recent episodes, my Facebook ads are almost exclusively for a page called Horses of Iceland. <laughs> Cheers for the years of entertainment. I mean, if you need any further evidence that Facebook is listening to you, there it is right there, Horses of Iceland.
1: I must admit there are... Uh regular themes that come up on this podcast that come up on my social media where I'm like is it just which one's leading the other one am I seeing the ads and then talking about it or am I talking about it and then the ads are coming up do you ever get ads for Tofot merch yeah I think so I think I do actually Well, they've, that's weird, I mean, it's it? a keyword search, I imagine. Like, it's an algorithm and they just, like, look for people who've, like, written about Tofop. And because if we've plugged the podcast right. or whatever, we've written Tofop, they're like, you must be interested in this podcast. I am. <laughs> I'm interested in doing it and having other people <laughs> listening to it. And, by the way, it's probably done an algorithm at Redbubble and decided the people who've bought the most Tofop merch have been you and I. So we are the t- <laughs> The, <laughs> the primary,
0: primary demographic. We've
1: clawsened ourselves.
0: <laughs> uh, this is from Grace Just a big thanks boys uh, I know Topop is the most beloved podcast among doctors It is But I thought I would add that it is also my most beloved podcast And I am a doctor at the PhD variety mm-hmm. Where do we stand on PhDs? Yeah, we no, we're them, absolutely
1: right? accepting We have a lot of PhDs I reckon recently we've had more of them than we've had regular doctors It was your podcast
0: that made me choose my thesis topic mm-hmm. I went to an all girls high school and quickly became gay. So men were always a mystery to me. I started listening to you in 2010 when I was 18 and I got to learn about what boys talked about, mostly Batman and masturbation. (laughs) (laughs) As we say, like start with the new episodes, work your way back, stop when it gets uncomfortable. I was listening to you, it was listening to you guys talk about porn Mm. that made me want to write my PhD on feminist and queer porn. So know that you have a gender studies lecturer amongst your biggest fans and let me know if I can ever help you do anything that will lose you money. Thanks, boys. Your podcast got me through some very tough times, but the theme music is the most comforting sound I know. Grace. That's awesome. We have a gender studies lecturer on call.
1: I imagine though, that we have been quite a interesting study in gender... Uh, the evolvement of our understanding of like gender roles and the way that we talk about those things like there literally is 11 years of hearing a podcast that was very much a you know dirty late night no one's going to listen to this Kevin Smith style podcast to whatever this nonsense is today that has definitely been you know both of us growing up in the way that we like understand gender roles to be and what gender is and our understanding of the broader world when it comes to those conversations and our place in those conversations and so what i'm saying charlie is that i feel like we're just like we are just scientific monkeys to this woman (laughs) like or is episode
0: 333 the wiggle town to episode one like it's a mirror opposite uh do you remember when we had that discussion about the we live in a society meme
1: Mm
0: -hmm. okay now i think we sort of got to the bottom of it but anna has written in to just give us a bit more info on that uh she's uh, titled it an unnecessarily deep explanation of we live in a society so pull me up if any of this is new information hello will and charlie listening to you guys struggle with the we live in a society meme last week i figured i'm as good as any to try and fill you on on its surprisingly complex history After seeing Heath Ledger's Joker, many disenfranchised young men took the Joker and applied it as a symbol or a motif of their own ideologies. These young men began making sincere memes using this trope. Most memes revolved around pseudo-deep social commentary mixed with a self-perception of being twisted and awake, like the Joker, while the rest of the sheeple ignore them. I reckon we we sort of arrived at that. Eventually, yeah. Yeah. This group of people tend to also be self-pitying misogynists, like incels, nice guys and neckbeards. I understand what an incel is. What's a nice guy and what's a neckbeard, you know? Same
1: thing, basically. They're all just different words for similar, not exactly the same, but similar subcultures. People who, you know, fit into that, you know, women aren't having sex with me and it's the fault of women, not not of me in any way.
0: Uh, Also, right-wing libertarians and or quietly violent weird kids, the type that unfortunately are known for becoming school shooters. We Live in a Society is a mainstream satire of these memes. It was originally used as a top text line that would be followed up by a second uh, line in the original memes, but has been since used by itself due to sounding deep while being completely meaningless. Right. I think we arrived at that point, right? Okay. That the the second phase of We Live in a Society was a, a, a spoof of those earnest kind of like edgelords.
1: Okay, yeah. But this is much more simple explanation. It started as a sincere, sincere meme and then it got subverted as a Locked. ironic yeah. meme.
0: Uh, satirically, it is usually used as a remark on deep fake posts or events, and, like all good memes has metamorpho- metamorphosed metamorphosed metamorphosed, I don't know, into a standalone phrase that has all the context rolled into a singular meaning or understanding. Another shittier mockery of this meme is due to its popularity in India. Many of the sincere memes had broken English or used Indian English dialect. Of course, this got mocked by a monolingual racist of the internet. However, these shitheads tend to stay on 4chan and Reddit, so you're less likely to see them. I never want to like piss off anyone on 4chan or Reddit. I don't know anything about it. I'm not on those like forums, but every time I hear about them, they sound scary and I'm, I'm scared I'm going to get
1: doxxed. Doxed. doxed. So that just wasn't me. I live that. in a fear of being doxxed, essentially. Not that I'm even really yeah. sure what being doxxed is. I do not want to be doxxed.
0: Ironically, I doxed the lady who had the fax machine. <laughs> no, you faxed but her. I, you foxed her. <laughs> I faxed her over. Uh, I doubt this would have made much uh, much clearer for you No, you have But rather than going uh, on Know Your Meme It usually is more useful to find a subreddit And a long list of examples That seems like a lot of work This is just one meme And most of them are just as convoluted, conceptual And culturally specific as this one Almost... Also, most young people don't know the origins of memes either. They're much more complex, conceptual, expressive things. The deeper meaning is only the half of it. Sorry for the long read. I write essays when I'm manic, and this time I'm lucky enough to have two confused aging comedians to send it to. <laughs> Keep being awesome, and thanks for the laughs. Anna, the bipolar meme aficionado. Well,
1: thank you, Anna. I appreciate that. That, that, would, that...
0: I, that, that makes me feel a bit better, that, like, you know, that it's not meant to be easily understood, even by young people. Yeah. I think that was my that was my major concern was that we are we're, we're just rocketing towards irrelevance. We don't yeah. matter in this society anymore. But, but
1: but that's not true. We do matter. in fact, Charlie, I think what we found out is that we live in a society
0: <laughs> uh, this is from Genevieve. She says, uh, hi Tiito, hi, my name is Genevieve and I grew up in Sydney, Australia, but I'm currently living in Canada. It's a little south of <laughs> sorry, not it is. I live in Canada, a little south of Toronto. The province I'm in went into a Melbourne-style lockdown. This left me with ample time for TOFOP listening. I've made it through all of 2020, and now I'm working at random through 2019. I was just listening to episodes 256 to 251, so she's working backwards. She's taking mm-hmm. your advice.
1: Yeah, but you uh, know what I started... love about this is that like, we get so behind in our mail already, but she's going <laughs> further back to ask questions <laughs> and comment on things. that, it's like, She's tenanted it. Uh,
0: Starting with Everything's Fine and ending with Grumpy Charlie Across these episodes, The Matrix was heavily discussed As well as Horses Okay, so she's talking about like Mm -hmm. 50-something episodes ago Almost uh, 80 episodes ago We talked about The Matrix and we talked about Horses One was even titled Kill Someone With a Horse I remember that That was when we were talking about John Wick 3 The artwork is Keanu throwing a horse at someone Will also mentioned how good it feels having a break from alcohol, which he did again in 2021. And I am now convinced the podcast is now, or was then, in a state of deep fake. Added to that, Elias, Norway's biggest horse Elias, he wrote into you guys in episode 251. What? He wrote about robots making condoms. So close to the kill someone with a horse ep. So is Elias real? He was in another episode connected to horses. Tofop and its podcast family has helped me stay sane in the wintry lockdown. Thank you. What the Shit. fuck is going on, man? Shit, <laughs> like, man? I feel like we are in a simulation. Shit, There's a glitch. Man. That was the beta. Episode 251, that was the beta version of Elias. And now he's come back. They've, they've worked out all the bugs. And now he's like ingrained. He's infiltrated Tofop.
1: Tofop's been red-pilled. I love it. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: Finally. <laughs> uh, just a couple more bits of mail to get through. This is from Carly. New listener, new EPs, old EPs, and thanks. Hey, Charlie and Will, if by chance this ever gets read, please don't use my last name. We won't. I am a new listener to Tofop, having found it via philosophy which I've listened to for about a year. It's another amazing pod, by the way. My first EP I listened to was 319 Anonymous Anonymous, which I just picked at random because the artwork looked cool and it drew me in. I enjoy listening to you guys chat about random shit, and it's exactly the type of podcast I need. While I'm no doctor, I do work in a stressful job in child protection, and I find your podcast is a perfect way to unwind. I listen on my drives at work when I don't have kids in the car, of course. <laughs> I was going to say that. Yeah, because really you sound literally like
1: work it. in child protection. You <laughs> need to protect the children from this podcast.
0: Well, yeah, let me turn off Tova if I put on uh, The Wiggles. Have you heard this, yeah. heard this song? <laughs> Wiggles. Wiggle Everything's upside down. Come on, guys and on my walks uh, at both times I do find I get uncontrollable laughing which I either have other drivers looking at me or my partner on our walks just shakes his head as I have to stop walking while laughing especially when I come across things such as the Pam Pam Ayers poems full of innuendo I've been a big fan of you both for a long time Will when I catch Eps of Gruen or I see stand-up, uh, or, or, or even when I used to back watching, when even back when I was watching The Glasshouse and Charlie from the Blue Healers days, and also McLeod's, without being a suck, my favourite Blue Healer was Alex. That's the truth. Thanks for the many laughs. I re- recommend the podcast when I when I can to whoever will listen to it. And whilst I know it's advised against, I do plan to go back and listen to them all, having recently started at the start of last year. So I've caught up to today's current eps. Thank you for many laughs, and easy way to de-stress and unwind. Keep up the awesome work and looking forward to much more shit and talking about, uh, much talking much shit and laughs in the future. Thanks guys. If you like our podcast, you should go to tofop.com. We've got a bunch more out there. Will does one called Willosophy. Who's on this week?
1: Yeah, uh, Mark Samuel Bonanno from uh, Auntie Donna. People uh, will know Mark from uh, the fabulous Auntie Donna who are taking over the world at the moment. And of course, he is also uh, partly behind a new show that is now on Netflix worldwide called Why You Like This. We've already had Naomi Higgins, who is his partner both in comedy and life on Velocity, So you could check out that episode as well if you're interested in that show. Are you doing a faux-fop this week? Have you got a faux-fop? Yes. Scott Dooley is on
0: faux-fop this week, uh, the newly uh, uh, anointed uh, New York correspondent. Uh, it was such a fun episode. It gets it gets dirty. I look. I'll just put a warning out there. We we go into some. We talk about the queen and it gets into some pretty gross areas. But all all the good fun. All the good fun. Uh, the title should give you an idea of what the episode's like. Uh, that's out now. And then two guys one cup is back with a vengeance. Uh, we're also on Instagram for two guys one cup. If you follow Toefop on Instagram, maybe you want to go across to two guys one cup AFL. Every Thursday, Will and I record a Tofop, uh an Instagram live video where we give our tips for the week.
1: Yeah, and it's been really fun so far, and the previous ones are pinned up there if you want to have a look at them also. And uh, I'm at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival still for this remaining week, so uh, capacity for the venues has gone back to 100%, which means that there are plenty of tickets available to come and That's see We're awesome. Legal at the Arts Centre. It has been so much fun to be back on stage it's incredible to be able to share often some people are going out for the very first time you know in a year which has been amazing to sort of hear from those people as well so one more week of illegal and on the friday the sorry the fo- the final saturday night of the festival 10 30 at night at the comedy theater i am doing a one-off uh what you talking about will reflecting on yeah, things that happened in the last year and then talking to the audience and making up a show on the spot. so if you want to see that brand new show one off uh, the final Saturday of the festival at 10 30 getting quick for tickets And that perfectly dovetails into our final bit
0: of letter. this is from M uh, who says Melbourne Comedy Festival finally two Colin Fop happily going to see will at Melbourne Comedy Festival in 2021. Uh, well I got a refundable ticket but he's hoping well good news is everything's on. Happy to hear you go. you're go. you both enjoying your podcasting and very glad to hear you stop dissing your skills. You've got to respect your listeners. You can't account for our taste. It's a good point. Every time we say how terrible this show is, are we really sort of making a comment on our listeners?
1: Um, no, I like to think that we're being self-deprecating, and I think there's still some room in the world for self-deprecation.
0: I'm so excited about going to Will's show that I might even have to dress in a unicorn outfit or something. I'm looking forward to some TOEFOP live shows in the future. P.S. I fully expect this to appear in a 2025 Patreon bonus episode, hence why I've included the date. (laughs) Loving it. (laughs) Thanks, Em. Uh, That's it for now. I'm Charlie Clawson.
1: I'm Will Anderson. Hello, and thank you for watching.
0: Everyone panic.